welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Big church, you're going to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. This is a message not just for fathers, but on uh, our relationships with one another, our relationships with our children. And during the Bible, slavery existed, and it, it tells us here in the Scriptures, and if, uh, fittingly, today is Juneteenth, the day the first announcement that was made, and I believe it was, it was a part of Texas, uh, not Beaumont, Texas, it was Galveston, Texas, that, um, that the first announcement in 1865 that the slaves were free. We're actually going to see here in the book of Ephesians how it addresses that. If you are a, if you are a man... You have a responsibility. And that responsibility actually comes from the Garden of Eden in creation, in the creation order. God created men and He created women. We do not change genders. We do not marry people or date people of the same sex. You do not encourage people doing these things. It is good to be a man. It's good to have masculinity. It is good also to be a female. These are traits and characteristics created in the DNA chromosomes that God made you and I. We don't live in this world of confusion and disorder. God is a God of order and a God of creation. And when you're a man... You accept and embrace this. It's nothing to be ashamed of. The Bible teaches us that that men are to be the head of their homes. They are to lead their families, lead their wives to church and private prayer and worship. They're to be leaders in a church. Men are to be pastors. This past week at the Southern Baptist Convention, it met out in Anaheim. They made some good decisions. They took the right steps to address the sex abuse that unfortunately has been going on and covered up in the SBC convention. But then they were even struggling somewhat. It came up about women pastors, and this is going to be an issue to come up. You know, there's 47,000 Southern Baptist churches, and whenever you have 47,000 churches, that means you will have some churches that might not be lining up with Scripture. They have female pastors in some churches, and that's being addressed. The Bible makes it very clear that men are to be pastors of churches. And when we see here in the Scripture, it gives us these responsibilities and these roles. These are, these are issues that we should not uh, have to feel like we need to defend or be embarrassed about. These are, these are God-honoring issues in the way we relate to our families. So we're going to read here in our Bibles. We're going through the book of Ephesians this entire summer. Now you're probably thinking, Pastor, you were in Ephesians chapter 1 last week. How did you already end up in chapter 5? We, we took a break from chapter 1. We're going to resume that next, next week. And the reason why is because this passage here in chapter 5 directly addresses fathers, wives, children, and since it's Father's Day, we need to talk about it. So we'll be back in Ephesians 1 next week. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. 
because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Many of us read this and go, how oppressive. I want to explain what submission looks like. And this is why God said this. Someone has to to yield. Let's just say, this is the wrong way to be married. This would not work. Let's see. There's a Methodist church down the street from here. I'll wake up on Sunday morning and say, Honey, I don't call Sherry that, but let's just say I did. Honey, I'm going to go to the Baptist church. She wakes up and says, Dear, I'm going to go to the Methodist church. We get in our cars at the same time, and we head in our different directions to each in our own church. No one offers to change. No one thinks twice about it. You've got two people. They are determined, this is what I'm going to do. That is not God's plan for a family. If you are living that way, where you refuse to yield, someone at some point has to say, okay, I will do this. It might not be my favorite thing to do. It might not be my number one preference. But because I love my wife, I love my husband, I love my family, I want peace and unity and order in my home, that is what submission looks like. I want to tell you, if you find yourself, or you constantly are at home, or you have friendships and relationships, and it's constantly fighting, much of that is a, it really comes down to you refuse to submit. You refuse to do something else that you might not like. Jesus Christ calls us to be submissive to Him. And here in this passage here, it says in a family relationship that your wife is to submit to your husband. Now, for in my case, how this applies in our life, I let Sherry make all what I call the minor decisions. <laughs> what would a minor decision be about? A minor decision is 99.8% of the things that are decided. When, it was, when God called me here to Broadway Baptist Church five and a half years ago, the Lord was moving in my life and led me here. That was something I, I shared with her That wasn't something that she woke up and said, let's move to Lexington. I said, I'll tag along. That would have been in that 0.05% where she followed me. Not that she didn't want to come, but I took the role in that. In major decisions in our home, and hopefully in your home too, the wife submits that. Now, all the other stuff, anything in our home, about anything we do, Miss Osborne is leading in that. I don't fight her in that. Otherwise, we would be constantly fighting. Men, there's a role that we play that some things, they just aren't worth fighting over. 
you have to say, is, is this worth, worth it? Am I going to stake my claim in this? Now, what would be those 0.05% issues? I want to tell you, those would be scriptural issues. Scriptural issues. Now, if there's things going on in our home, in our marriage, or in our life that are sinful and wrong and go against God's Word, men, that's where we make a stand on the Word of God. There's some things we do not want in our home. We don't want in our lives. Those would be those major issues and go, whoa, 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 that's not going to happen. We're not going to do that. We're not going to associate with that person. And so much of having a God-centered marriage, men, is you taking the leadership role of knowing, okay, is this a scriptural issue? Is this point, that .05 that I'm going to make a stand for the Lord? And then wives, you submit to your husband's leadership. God wants a home that is healthy. A healthy home is one that honors the Lord. A healthy home is not one with constant bickering and fighting. So when we read here, now the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. God is taking the creation order and saying, just like Broadway Baptist Church, we are under the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ. He reigns here. That's who we worship. Your home likewise is the same. The husband, the father, is the head of the home. And the Bible calls us and commands us to respect that. Men, we're not to abuse that. We're not to take that for granted. That is a, resp- a great responsibility the Lord has given us. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the Word. He did this to present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that but holy and blameless. Now look at this. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of His body. Now look at this. This this applies to single people. If you are not married, you need to be praying for your spouse. If you have children or grandchildren, you need to be praying for whom God will bring in their life for them to marry. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That is a family unit right there. What is a family? A family is a man married to a woman. That is a family. Our culture might teach all sorts of uh, odd, odd things about what it, trying to define a family, but a biblical family begins in a one flesh relationship. One man, one woman. That's how Genesis 2.24. And it says here, they leave. It's your children. They grow up and they leave the house. They become their own family. This is God's plan. This is God's institution. God created the first marriage 
He, cre- he knew what He was doing here. And it describes this. This mystery is profound. But I'm talking about Christ in the church. To sum each one up, you are to love your wife as Himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Do you know, I've learned, when families fall apart, do you know the first thing that usually goes? That word respect is used there at the very end of verse 33. Once the wife, once the children have no respect for their father or their husband, at that point, when you no longer respect your father, and you no longer respect your, your husband, at that point, mentally, you have written them off and you just tend to go down a road that leads to destruction. The lack of respect destroys a family unit. This is why God said on the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. Because the Lord knows if you don't do this, if you do not respect your family, the most basic unit, it will, it will bring destruction upon your home. God calls us to recognize the importance of our roles. Men, we're to love our wives. Women, you're to respect your husband. Keep going here in your Bibles. Now we address children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. It's actually the only commandment with a promise. God is telling us that we will live a long life. God will bless your family if you honor your mom and dad. And I want to tell you, even if you, us as adults, you are to still honor your parents if you're a senior adult. If your parents are still alive, you honor them. You even honor their memory. If they're deceased, what good is it speaking bad about mom and dad? What, what advantage does that bring you? God puts you in that family, and we're to respect and honor our father and mother. And it says here, we do this so that it may go well with you and you may have a long life in the land. That phrase there, a long life in the land, that's why America is being destroyed. A long life in Israel. This commandment came 5,000 years ago with Moses. Because God knew if the Israelite children did not respect the family unit, if they did not respect mom and dad and accept the teachings of mom and dad, they will grow up in rebellion against their parents. And when you rebel against your parents, folks, you're rebelling against the Lord. Do you know why we do all this stuff here? You've got all this VBS stuff. This isn't what our church normally looks like. This is an opportunity for children to come here this week and learn about Jesus. That's it. That's all this is about. No other reason. We spend thousands and thousands of dollars because you're faithful, you're giving, and you're tithing. We're able to... And Miss Lyons text, we have, you know, we have 294 children already pre-registered for VBS. That's an all-time record for us. We've already exceeded our pre-registration record. We'll have 300 plus children here this week. Most we've ever had as a church. And these children will come here and learn about Jesus. And I want to tell you why this is so important. Because the Bible tells us, if in this verse, 
that if you want long life in the land, every generation has to come up the pipeline loving the Lord, respecting their family. Because if they don't, if you have wild and rebellious children that don't know Jesus, that don't follow the Bible, guess what? They will grow up as adults and they will not follow Scripture. And that is what's occurring here in the United States. This, the, the destruction of the family and the role of mothers and fathers is actually how you destroy a nation. The nations are destroyed from within. Folks, the devil knows this. This is why it is so dangerous for your children to, to spend hours and hours and hours in front of Netflix and on video games being indoctrinated and not, not learning the things of the Lord. Not, not being in VBS and in Sunday school and worship. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Men, we are to take a leadership role. It's Father's Day. This message is for you. Men, we wake up on Sunday morning. We bring our families here to church. You load them up in the car. You let them know on Saturday that, hey, it's Saturday night. We're going to church tomorrow. Let's go and pick our clothes out. You You take the steps to do this. We're the ones, men, that we actually teach our children the Bible. The Bible tells us that we're the, we're, the, we're the main biblical teachers for our children. It's not something that we can just give to our wives. Now, yes, they play a big role, but the Bible says right here, you're to do it, mister. You're the one that trains your children. Now, <coughs> keep going here. The Bible creates a message for us that how important it is for us to submit and show respect. And it, it addressed even slavery. Now, obviously, slavery does not exist today. But it did in Bible times. Slavery did exist. So if it exists, because the Bible addresses all issues, it says here, Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, to do God's will from your heart. Meaning God sees and knows everything in our lives. He knows when our boss isn't looking. He knows, in this case, the slave master wasn't looking. And he says, either either the eyes are on you, or the eyes aren't on you. You Two weeks ago, I was in London. I was at church there in London. Do you know in London, they have, and it's getting to be this way in Lexington, Every single intersection, there's cameras. That is the most surveillance city on earth. There, someone somewhere is watching you. I have no idea where, but you can look up at every light post and there's cameras all around. They're watching you. Someone is. And the Bible's telling us here, maybe it's getting the way here. It says here that you work not just while you're being watched, but you're being watched by the Lord, meaning you're to honor the Lord even when no one is watching. Because when no one's watching, God is watching. It's like a camera is always on us. He's aware. The Bible tells us to serve with a good attitude. You know anybody with a grumpy attitude? You know someone that when they're asked to do something, they complain about it? 
The Bible's telling us we are to have a good attitude. What good is it having a bad attitude? It, ser- it serves no purpose. As to the Lord, not to people, because when you have a good attitude, you're honoring the Lord. Bad attitudes, even when you don't want to do something, it actually dishonors the Lord. God is looking for you and I to have an attitude as, you know what, I might not like all this VBS stuff, and it's, maybe it's not for me, but to go around and having a bad attitude about it, that's wrong. The Bible says we're to honor the Lord in everything we do, not just in what we say, even the tone of our voice, how we approach things. It says here, knowing that whatever each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way without threatening them, because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I want to read you some scripture here in the book of Genesis, chapter 3. You don't need to turn there, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Because I want to show you here in the Old Testament, first book in the Bible, where all of this came from. And it came from the Garden of Eden. It came from Adam. We always fought Eve from Eden, from the tree of knowledge of Garden Eden. But it's actually, God actually holds Adam accountable for this. First and foremost, he turned to Adam. This is what it looks like when a husband, when the head of a home, a head of a family, doesn't take a leadership role. He doesn't lead his families in the ways of the Lord. Genesis 3.6 The Bible says the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. She's looking at this tree that the Lord told her. says, whatever you do, don't eat from that tree right there. Because the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll know good and evil. And that's the one command that they have. The woman's there looking at this tree. It says she saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. That's what the serpent told her. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband. That's Adam right there. And it says, who was with her? He ate it. This is like Sherry and I are standing next to each other and someone walks up, a snake, and gives her some cocaine. And God says, don't use drugs. And she's holding it in her hand. And she knows she's not supposed to do it. And I'm just standing there watching her. And she says, well, you know, the serpent said not to do it, but it does look like I'll... I'll use some illegal drugs and I'll get some wisdom. And I'll watch her take it. And then I thought, well, if she did it, I guess I'll take it too. And I'll just take it from her hand and then I'll take the cocaine. Adam was witnessing this event in the garden. And he didn't speak up. Men, fathers, part of being a godly father is saying, whoa, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to step away from this tree. We're not going to talk to this talking snake right here. Men, when we fail to intervene on righteousness, we are complicit with our wives and our children and our grandchildren in sin. If you have family members right now, and they're addicted to pornography, and they are making poor, uh, maybe they're using drugs, they have 
other type of addiction issues. Maybe they have financial issues. And you know this is going on. You know there's problems in your home. Even with your grandchildren. And men, when we fail to speak up, or at least try to intervene, to insert ourselves to help them, you're doing exactly what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. Exactly. He literally just watched his wife eat from what she's not supposed to. He's, then he participates in it too. And the Bible tells us here, keep going here in your Bibles, then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And look at this. And they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? Do you know why God asked that question? He didn't talk to Eve. He went straight to Adam and says, Adam, where are you? You know why they're hiding? Because all of a sudden, something has changed. They used to not know what it was like to be naked. But now, all of a sudden, their eyes are open and they're they're filled with sin. They're separated from God. And that question, where are you, is what God asks every single lost person every day. Where are you? That is the Gospel call. Where are you? Where are you? Because you're apart from God. Lost people have to answer this question. Where are you? That is probably the greatest. That question, where are you, actually sets up the entire story of the rest of the Bible. Because Jesus answers that question. The answer to where are you is the cross. The answer to where are you is the empty tomb. That is what's going on here. Adam was complicit in Eve's sin. He failed to be a godly husband. And now, skip down here. Last Bible verse of this morning. Verse 17. So we're now having the blame game. We're going through this. But in verse 17, look what, Adam said, or look what God says to Adam. And God said to the man, because you listened to your wife, Right there. Because you listen to your wife. Now men, 99.8% of the time, you need to listen to your wife. But this was that 0.02% that Adam needed to listen to God above his wife. Remember your relationships. First, the most important person in your life is the Lord God, Jesus. Next is your wife. There will come a time where you need man to listen to God above your wife. And this was one of those times for Adam. Because God comes to Adam and says, because you listened to your wife. You didn't listen to me, Adam. You listened to the wrong person. As much as we love our wives and our families, they never come before the Lord. God held Adam accountable for listening to his wife. And it says here, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you not to eat from it, the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. Our ground is cursed. Gene King stood up here a minute ago. Where did Gene go? And told stories about 
famine in Africa and how the, the desert flooding in Yellowstone, wildfires all over the place. That's because the earth is cursed. That's because of verse 17. That's because Adam listened to his wife. And we are paying the consequence today. This morning, man, I ask you, are you listening to God? If God is asking you that question, where are you? The answer is Jesus. Now some of you are here, and sirs, you are not the spiritual leader of your home. You're here this morning, not because you wanted to be here, but because maybe your wife drug you here, or your children drug you here. Men, you or I, you and I are the ones that wake up on Sundays. We grab our Bibles. We pick up our offerings and say, we're going to the house of the Lord. How excited I am to be worshiping with God's people. This is where you belong every Sunday morning right here. God wants to grow and wants to grow this church specifically. We're a Bible-believing, gospel-teaching church. You bring your family here, they're going to learn about the Lord. They're going to learn about the role of a man today. And I'm asking you, sir, are you the spiritual leader of your home? And it begins with your relationship with God. And that's getting saved. If Jesus Christ is first and foremost in your life, then everything else falls in place. Next is your wife, then your children. That is the order of your home. God, I pray for the men here this morning. Lord, I pray that question. Lord, you ask us, where are you? God, I pray as we as men, we examine our hearts and we say, God, I am in you. I am here to honor you. Lord, we are here to love our wives. We're here to love you. We love our families. And we're thankful that we are men. Lord, you, you need to raise up an army of godly fathers today here at Broadway. Jesus, we pray these words about our roles as men and also as our roles as fathers. About instructing and training our children is something that we cling to and we live out. Jesus, I pray that this invitation will not pass with us responding to that. Lord, the answer to where are you is Jesus is you. Thank you for saving us. Lord, we give you this invitation. Lord, we are called to respond. We don't want to be like Adam and let the opportunity miss us by. And we were complicit. Adam was complicit with Eve. Lord, we're called to be bold men and women of faith. Lord, we give you this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're about to have our invitation. If you want to join this church, you walk forward, take my hand, and say, Pastor, I want to be part of Broadway. This is your Sunday. If you want to get saved, you come take my hand. This is our time to respond to the Lord. So we're going to stand together. Gene King's going to lead us in our song. Myself and Brother Hurry. Brother Hurry, you come stand up here with me. And you respond, take our hands, and say, we're ready to follow Jesus. Have you been to the cross where the Lord Jesus suffered? Have you been to Calvary? Have you been to the place 
of redemption for sinners have you been to Calvary. It was there on Calvary God's dear Son laid down His life for you. While there's time, don't delay. Place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. You can search, you can buy, and try everything man-made. But it cannot satisfy. It is Christ, only Christ, who gives life more abundant. And he calls from Calvary. It was there on Calvary. God's dear Son laid down His life for you. While there's time, don't delay. Place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. While the Spirit's clear voice can be heard softly pleading, give your life to Jesus now. Trusting faith is the way to have life everlasting. And he calls from Calvary. It was there on Calvary. God's dear son laid down his 